Hello everyone, welcome to NAPC Inside and uh, congratulations I guess to everyone. Today is our very first podcast, very first on the series and this one will be on the financial education. So let me introduce our guests today, which is Dmitry and Alex. Dmitry, PhD in business, mergers and acquisitions from Grenoble Eco of Business, MBA from Notre Dame in Business Management, Certified Financial Advisor, Certified Management Advisor, Executive Background, quite a lot of it, I would say. Also, we got Alex here on the right, who is MBA in Business Administration and Bachelor Degree in Accounting, both corporate and non-profit. Tax prepare for over 15 years. Okay, so uh, it seems like we had a kind of quiet and nice introduction. So let's go to the questions we had from the Summerton. And they voted for whichever had to be the first ones. And the very first one will be, I'm pulling it up as we're speaking. The first one will be, I applied for the PPP loan last year and would like the amount to be forgiven. Uh, what should I do? What should they do? Like, before they're going to actually get to the trouble of... <laughs> well, make sure you spend the money and you spend them correctly. And uh, we did that. Uh, uh, sorry for interrupting, but can you define the correct spending? What is the correct under the IRS code? Oh, if you if if you want it forgiven, it's a purpose. Uh, it's, this money are given for a purpose. So let's say you can spend sixty percent on payroll, and the rest you can spend on utilities, on the business rent. And things like that. There is a list. So um, uh, typically, you would have received the loan from from a bank or other financial institution, and they would have to give you uh, guidelines mm-hmm. on how to apply. So uh, talk to your financial institution where you got the loan. Um, you have ten months to mm-hmm. apply after uh, your covered period is is over. That's typically eight or 24 weeks after the date you got the money. From the application and from the actual receival of the no, money? No, from, from, from the actual day the money came to your bank account. Okay. So, uh, and those guidelines are listed before you're applying, exactly? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, if they're not followed, you might get into the... Uh, you'll have to pay your loan back. You'll have to pay a loan back. And uh, uh, if it is a loan, technically, it's supposed to be under some type of percentage, right? That's so, a 1%. 1% loan. So technically, it is a free money. Uh, uh, cheap, my cheap money, let's say that. If, if, if you don't apply for forgiveness, it's a cheap money. Yeah, because yeah, if it is a loan, if it's a 1%, it's cheaper than going to any bank right now getting the loan for the business uh, like expansion or... Uh, you, can, it, you can spend it on business expansion. That would be a, a violation. Inc- incorrect use of money. But then you would have to return it at like within the 1%. That's an interesting question. You're not supposed to spend it on business expansion. So that's uh, that's how it works. So the very least you have to return it. The worst, yeah, there can be consequences. I think SBA says civil and criminal penalties can be applied to you. Civil and criminal. So, but there is no like deep guidelines. Uh, I guess uh, this is, you know, it's been a moving target. These guidelines ever since uh, the PPP uh, program came about. 
the guidelines been changing pretty much every month. So there's every month new uh, new guidelines from, from so the SBA. So at the time of filing, you have to follow the new guidelines or the guidelines you, you signed you, up with? You you have to check what's current because some of those things, they apply retroactive. Okay, so you actually have to file within the new guidelines, even if you got the money sure. under the old circumstances. Yep. Uh, let me add a couple of things. So, uh, unless we all in agreement, PPP stands for payroll protection mm -hmm. program. SBA stands for small business administration. Mm -hmm. And um, originally, when uh, monies were dispersed in mm -hmm. the first round of it, uh, it it was uh, really up to the financial institution how soon they will process your application, then funds uh, were depleted pretty soon. Then there was a second round and, and companies finally received um, the funds and now it's going to be the third round. And third round uh, will be a little bit more geared towards small business. So uh, funds from the small business administrations will be sent to smaller financial organizations and they will they will be meant for loans at smaller amounts. So don't expect to get something uh, in the size of a million dollars, but if you're applying for much smaller amount, like $50,000, $80,000, this is what the second round of PPPP loans are designed for. I just got a text that you barely can be heard, like you're speaking to the side of a microphone. and uh, it's... How about right now? Better, much better. Yeah. Yep. And how many rounds is there? Is there still one available? Yes, there is still one available that will become available fairly shortly because... Uh, the... it, it is actually available as we speak uh, and it will stop being available on March 31st. So by March 31st, everyone shall apply if they would like to receive the, let's say, cheap money or the money for their business to operate. Uh, if you qualify... If you qualify, and the qualifications would be? Uh, you have to be under 300 employees. Uh, it's pretty much majority of the businesses here. Yeah, there's small businesses, yeah. for sure. Um, if you took uh, the first draw of PPP loan, the first round, mm -hmm. so for the second one, you have to demonstrate the uh, decline in revenue in one of the quarters in 2020 as compared to 2019. Okay, so I guess we have opened up this subject completely, and I don't see any other questions nor on Facebook or or YouTube. So we're gonna proceed to the next one, I. Eh? Okay, so the next question: four hundred one k, four hundred one k. Am I better off financially by setting up money aside to four hundred one k plan? But before even we're gonna get to that one. What is 401k? In the United States, 401k plan is an employer-sponsored defined contribution pension account defined in subsection 401k of the Internal Revenue Code. Many employers to their employees. It is 
named after a section of the United States Internal Revenue Code. Workers can make contributions to their 401k accounts through automatic payroll withholdings and their employers can match some or all of those contributions. The investment earnings in traditional 401k plan are not taxed until the employee withdraws that money, typically after retirement. In the Roth 401k plan, withdrawals can be tax-free. There are two basic types of 401k accounts, traditional 401k and the Roth R-O-T-H 401k, sometimes referred as a designated Roth account. The two are similar in many respects, but they are taxed in different ways. A worker can have either type of account or both types. So guys, there's your call. What is 401k? It's oh, one it's of the a, pension plans. Yeah, it's a tax-advantaged pension plan. It's not just one of the pension plans. It's a tax-advantaged pension plan. What it means, it allows you to set money aside pre-tax. Pre-tax. Because, like, I've heard lots of rumors about it. It goes to the uh, stock market. It goes to uh, finance other stuff. And sometimes by the end of the work, you won't have your 401k as it is or as you have donated or, like, saved through 401k. What you want to understand is that there is no there is no simple solution. And the reason why we're saying that is, uh, is because depending on when you actually try to retire, mm-hmm. if at that point market drops, then the value of your 401k uh, may drop in, let's say, 50 by 50%. We saw that in 2008 uh, to 2010, pretty much everybody 401k dropped in value and uh, people were were contributing all their lives and all of a sudden they figured out that there is enough there to retire so they had to work more uh, to get back the value of it. So it's uh, cyclical and normally the financial analysts who sell 401k plans because obviously it's not mandatory this is something that employer will encourage employees to contribute so the financial advisors typically would come uh, to the employee meeting and they will show you this nice graph that goes up and then they will say well uh, sooner you start contributing that's better and uh, it, it always goes up uh, and you will retire with uh, like three million dollars if you start contributing like 200 people when, when you're 19 yeah yeah uh, but so what they don't say that there is this assumption that everybody uh, for uh, 50 years of their work life uh, will contribute to the plan without any kind of break and that it will compound. And that unfortunately doesn't happen. And people get into difficult financial situations. And about 20% of all people who contribute to 401k end up drawing, basically taking a loan back and then repaying it to their 401k funds at some point. Because emergencies do happen. And mm-hmm. the rosy pictures that the financial advisors are drawing on the dashboards in the company meetings when they try to sign up people, those are really rosy pictures. 
So it's, pretty much, uh, it's a four hundred one k. It's not the cure, like exact cure for your retirement plan. That's it, what you're trying to say. It is not uh, all at once solution that will work for everybody. It's more of the generational lottery. It depends when you need to retire. What's the condition of the market? If if you are unlucky to plan to retire when you're 65 or 67 mm-hmm. in a period when we have the next bubble bursting, then obviously you cannot predict it, and obviously then you you really lost your everything your contributions. Yep. Also, yeah, maybe not everything, but you don't have really time to wait for the market to come back up. Gold. Yeah, because well, gold. Yeah, let's say we know that uh, on average a person can live so many years, and we have so many productive years to make money and so many years in retirement. So this is all can be uh, more or less calculated. Can come up with numbers and model how much. You're so, need from the all. perspective of a view of yes or no, is the four hundred one k Good or bad? Can I say it depends? It depends, but there are better. There are. There may be better ways to um, ensure that you have retirement money other than four hundred one k. Let's and look again, at, it let, depends. Let, let's and look we at can, it this way. Well, four hundred one k is employer-sponsored defined contribution plan. What it means that typically your employer matches your contribution up to a certain level of 3% or 6%, something like that. And, uh, of course, you're better off. It's free money, so you contribute 3% of your paycheck and uh, your employer, if they have a match program. So, yes, you're better off. You're better off with at the same time. At the same time, uh, not all employers do contribute. So even if you do spend uh, those money like towards the 401k, the, yes. some employers don't contribute. Not even some. Uh, I can look up percentage, but a lot of employers do not contribute. So it's just your contribution from your pocket. Also, employers' contributions are a, a lot of times are subject to the vesting schedule. Vesting schedule means that unless you stay with the company mm-hmm. for typically five years, employer match is not, it's technically in your account, but it's not there yet. So on average in the U.S. right now, Mm -hmm. the employee works in the same company for about three to four years Mm -hmm. because we're not at that time when, when people used to work in one place for 25 years or just during the lifetime changed employers twice or three times at most mm-hmm. we're changing jobs and the vesting schedules that are five years long sometimes really do not hit the employee accounts because they do not stay that long with the employer that's one thing another thing is that this is not the only pre-tax way to contribute and i would say that a person should really think what will make more sense to save on tax now or to save on tax later because maybe it's it's a better way to contribute post tax 
using the Roth IRA plan, pay taxes now, but then when you get distribution, when you're 67 or 72, most likely at that point, taxes will be higher. Mm -hmm. Most likely at that point, what you're contributing now is going to... But don't forget about the inflation levels as well. So when you had $5, I mean, 25 years, it will be like $2. No, but that's a totally different issue because what you benefit tax-wise is a different issue from how market will perform and, or how you invest your contribution. So these are two separate stories. So if we talk about tax benefits, yeah, there's, of course, uh, you contribute pre-tax to 401k or if you want to use a Roth IRA uh, and um, contribute post-tax and then when you get your pension you don't pay any taxes on those distributions so that's uh, that can work uh, tax-wise very beneficially but uh, how you invested those money where they went and how the fund performed or how the market performed that's a totally separate so then let's move on to the actual question. Am I better off financially by setting up money aside to 401k plan? Am I? It depends if you have other obligations. For so, example. See, it depends. How, how old are you? Uh, are you going to hit the retirement next year? Or are you, I don't know, 19 years old? You're just starting your career? Uh, wouldn't it be nice for all of us to invest in Amazon and Apple in 2000? Uh, I would say Bitcoin today is a thing, but <laughs> so let's not go into <laughs> that. But uh, I come on, I know people that have made fortunes on it. And good for them. <laughs> yep. Yep. I guess it's time to sell or buy, but no one cares. So let's so, go to so, the 401k. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Depending on the obligations and what are the obligations could be. It could be a credit card debt. It could be student loan debt, which has a percentage attached to it. So, hold on. Uh, your student loan can have a touch percentage that will go towards 401k or your 401k no, no, no. will go towards no, no, the percentage. No, that's what no, Alex is no. trying to say. Is I'm that trying to say to that. look at that the totality of your situation. Why? Why it's not a simple answer. We're saying it depends because everybody should build in their heads sort of like a um, balance sheet. Like think of yeah. yourself as a company. Okay. Think of your assets. Think of what you own. Think of what you owe. Checks and balances, pretty much. Debits and credits. Yeah. And then uh, if your liabilities, if your credit, outstanding which are typically attached a higher percent mm -hmm. than what a typical 401k will bring you in then of course it makes sense to get rid of obligations and then when you're clean then you start setting money aside to 401k or IRA or Roth IRA what I'm saying is that I'm seeing so many 401k loans at um, every place where I work to because I'm seeing payroll, I'm in accounting. And um, I know the stories of the people. I know why they took the loans. Some of them are really taking the loans to pay for college costs. Of but their college costs, it's already is the loan itself. So you actually double percent on it. 
some people making not so smart decisions while they're taking loan out. All I'm saying is that uh, some people are trying to pay for their college kids' education by by taking money back from the 401k where they contributed 10 years earlier, which is basically negating all the contributions that they made. Uh, Some people have or used to have when we did not have the Healthcare Act. I've seen so many medical bills related 401k withdrawals, which basically also zeroed out people's contribution. They would pay penalties on on the early withdrawal on so, top of so not contributing for a to while. To summarize, there is no like an exact uh, guidelines on how to make it happen. Your for like four hundred one k, it is an offered uh, like it is offered to you by the employer. But how to actually work it out and how to operate it, you have to go to the professional in order to make it happen through your lifetime, right? I would say, I would say uh, it's similar to choosing your health plan. Because you typically, let's say, offered two or three medical plans. For some people, it it works if they choose HMO because it's cheaper. For some people, it works if they choose PPO. It's more expensive, but it covers better. So it really depends on the personal situation. What are your personal assets and what are your personal liabilities? Once you clean off the liabilities which is typically have high high percentage attached to it, then go ahead, invest. But before that, my just my opinion. So is, it's like with the credit card. Before actually buying a house, pay off your credit card first. Just to simplify it. You better to pay off your credit cards to keep the utilization ratio uh, around 15 to 20 percent maximum if you want to get pre-authorization to buy a house if you're paying with the yeah, mortgage same thing with the 401k that means before you're actually gonna get into it you want to take care of all your debts and balances prior to actually getting to 401 in an ideal situation but uh, again if you have uh, favorable situation with your employer who does uh, match your contributions um, you might be better off just participating in that so regardless of your liability side okay so i would assume i would assume that we got somewhere on 401k uh it's not your perfect solution in life it's not the response to each and every question but still something or a tool that can be utilized in order to prosper your retirement to the fullest. Am I correct? General recommendation that if you can afford it, participate in it and max out the contribution to the um, what your uh, employer. And before actually knowing if you can afford it and before actually getting the master's degree in business administration or economics, you, like, you better to consult with a specialist. Or or read the fine print. Now let's go to the next question, which is 529 plan. I have never heard of such. Are my kids better off financially if I set aside 529 plan? Uh, 
now we're getting into the numbers. Like, I do know those digits, but I have never heard of such plan. So what can you tell me about it? It's a college savings plan uh, uh, for your children. Uh, so the parents can start contributing into what's called 529 plan. And those are just the numbers uh, taken from the tax code. So uh, 529 doesn't mean anything. 401 doesn't mean anything because like with 401, like the same plan for government employees is 404 with same plan for nonprofit employees called 403. So 529 is also doesn't mean anything, just the numbers. So um, parents can start uh, contributing toward the cost of future college. Mm-hmm for their children is it advantageous dimitri what do you think it's a tax advantage tax advantage plan so yes how yes. do you get into it like uh, where do you, like i've never heard of 529 plan so right now i'll be researching but each, uh, each state runs uh, some in some form and, so uh, I just call three one one and ask him, uh, "Hey guys, I would like to contribute to five twenty nine. Can you send rather, me out?" Rather, I'd like to set it up. And uh, so you actually call three one one? No, of course not. So could you, you give me more details? Like uh, right now, we're trying I, to I, speak I, I very think, simple words. You Google your state name and then five twenty nine plan and see the option. So since you work in a PA, do you have any details we can actually give I out at least in wording? PA529.com if I'm not mistaken and this is something that is PA529.com, yeah. I did a consultation for a client on the subject a few months back and I'm trying to remember the details now. Um it's not something that comes up at least an hour practice. Well, very looking, we can pick up another question and then come back to 529. Okay, then should I buy a house when uh, the house is $250,000? My income is about 50K per year and the credit score is close to a 700. Like, uh, that's actually average situation for the far northeast Philly and the average price is 250 right now since it's bursting up like I've never seen before. And 50,000, that's your average income here. Actually, a bit lower, but still. So um, let's, uh, let's break it in pieces. Uh, first, you have to research whether you have enough of the credit to qualify for mortgage under either first buyer uh, loan, which is like 0% down or 5% down. It depends. Um, I would say that... Is zero down still a thing? At least 3% down for the first-time buyers is still a thing. and uh, But there is a downside to it. You have to pay mortgage insurance, and that costs you probably, I don't know, 100, a couple of hundreds per month. So in a perspective of 25 years, that's going to be your down payment doubled? Uh, you would be smart to refinance at some point when you uh, reach a particular particular yeah time frame yeah in credit school so with with those inputs such as selling price of 250 let's add to it about uh, 
10, 12,000 dollars that will cost you actually to finalize the sale. Let's add to it. Uh, typically, you want to do something with a house, you want to renovate it a little bit. So let's add to it another 50 grand. So with this input, plus 50,000 to renovate, plus 10 to close, probably you'll need to make a little bit more than 50 to be comfortable. I would say uh, if if your uh, annual income is about 25% of the uh, price of the house, and if you if you're confident enough that that income is not going to change, then of course go ahead and buy it. The question is. Uh, what we have right now is a typical situation whether market is being uh, bubbled up, overheated, and uh, whether inventory is going to change by the year end. Right now, there is almost no inventory. It's lowest at at basically thirty years. They no, but also don't forget about the migration uh, from uh, north. Uh, there's a lot of factors that play in, but again, uh, the question was like with an average situation here within the Summerton area, uh, your income is about 50, sometimes a bit lower, sometimes a bit higher, but that's your medium, uh, like median. With this input, mm-hmm. with this numbers, yes, that's that's the comfortable uh, number, assuming that you have a good, good credit. We assume it's a net, not a gross. Okay, because from a perspective of what I hear from everyone around here, and again, that's personal, non-professional opinion, Mm -hmm. just uh, everyone's suggestion. If you do not make enough money or you do not make uh, like in constant amounts, but you're still eligible to purchase a house, buy one, rent it out, build your uh, credit history on it. So that's the main thing for everyone. Like, let me buy as many properties as I can. I'll manage them out as soon as I will have the study income. Uh, that will be my background as well as my investment plan for the future. Again, not as simple because uh, you have to uh, understand what you're getting into when you become a landlord in any large city that tends to be a bit more renter friendly as opposed to landlord friendly it just takes one bad renter or one pandemic or one pandemic that <laughs> well, was a big your, one to have your uh all the hopes uh and dreams broken to pieces yes that's one thing another thing is that i would say before before somebody thinks about renting places person should at least um talk to somebody and understand how to manage property that you own and uh, understand this is why you hire the third party that's why you hire management company yep. uh, also uh, don't forget the costs that come with the owning the property are upkeep repairs mowing the lawn cleaning the snow no, the, the, you, the problem is I do work for the rental management company, so I'm kind of confident so, with the expenses, but the answer had to be delivered properly to the crowd or to the community that uh, if you're willing to or want to buy the house, 
uh, as an investment plan. It is a great thing. It is like good investments if you do know what you are doing. Because uh, when it comes to the rental licenses, all the liabilities, all the questions and answers to be resolved simultaneously, you better to have somebody with a knowledge instead of skills. Like we're talking about the 401k, but now it is a rentals. You better have somebody that will resolve or answer these questions simultaneously. Rental is a better investment for your pension than, than 401k. Than 401k. If we're going back to how do you secure your pension, renting and living off rent that you receive, assuming that you're lucky enough to get good tenants, assuming that you're lucky enough that you don't lose your own... Simultaneously. Yes, and have difficulties affording the mortgage, even if renters paying you. Assuming that all goes well, this is much better plan than 401k. So everyone, I guess you heard it loud and clear. I'd like Invest to invest into the properties. Yeah, but let me, let me add something. Let me finish it. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the camera and microphone is all yours. Um a great idea to invest in properties, but uh I think the key question in investing in the properties is how you buy them. Because you have to buy them low enough so the numbers work. True that. Because rental markets, yeah, there's highs, lows, in-betweens, but pretty much there is a... A gap. Uh, Also, the renovation market is good. So you're buying the shell, you're investing into the shell, renting it out if you can buy it at a proper price sheriff, but competition but yeah. competition at those sales so i heard is very very fierce so to finalize your question should i buy a house for two hundred fifty thousand dollars with an income of 50 and i think, I think, I think you're, right. you're you're a little short on 50 so if we add the closing cost and uh then okay somebody gonna pull a mortgage calculator okay if, if it's 250 you're financing so you're gonna pay like i don't know 1100 per month on your typical 30-year mortgage mm-hmm. but then uh what people tend to forget there are city taxes uh, there is insurance, there's other blah, blah, blah. So uh, find if those numbers work for you. So if it's 50 net, I think uh, 50 net is your income. So I think you can make it work. You can uh, make it work. These, uh, levels. You can make it work, but not less. Timing is the key. And if we're talking about situation now on the market with the inventory being so low, it's a seller's market. It's not a buyer's market, how it was four years ago. However, we are looking into uh, another bubble. Probably September, or if not September, we're looking into December of this year. When it's all going to drop again? When the supply is going to shoot up sharply. And that's going to be when a stimulus program is going to run out because right now what what everybody agreed mm-hmm. on the new stimulus is going to cover period through 
August 31st, and that is going to include protection uh, for homeowners against foreclosures and renters against evictions. So if that is not going to be extended again, then what's going to happen in September? In September, a lot of foreclosures are going to happen. What What is going to make to the supply? Supply is going to go up, and therefore, that would be the time to start looking for, but not right now. Talk to me. Why no? Talk to me. Uh, as of right now, I do understand the supply and demand, but uh, since the properties are way overpriced, mm-hmm. this bubble reminds me very much, especially when people buy everything at the price that is twice or sometimes three times above the market value two or three years ago. It's going to be another 2008. But that's my unprofessional opinion that is based on the correlation and the consequences that happened back then. So um, you're basically saying what I just said. So, yeah. uh, But it's going to be as we big knew, as... If we knew back in 2007 that 2008 is coming, nobody would buy anything in 2007. We would wait until 2009. Yep. That's all I'm saying. So let's finalize it. Technically, you can, but if you can get the proper value of the house, do not buy a house that a year ago costed 200000 and now it is 500000 Exactly. Of course. So be careful on purchasing, and if you have a wish, it will come true just in the proper timing. But let's move on to the next question, which will be... Actually, that's the one I'm very interested in. When? Why? And to whom I pay my taxes? Which taxes require filing a tax return and declaration? Why do I have to pay taxes? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I have to pay taxes? Well, so that's uh, how we collectively pay for various public goods that we consume, like defense. Um, I don't know, roads, bridges, social security, uh, police, fire, bridges, infrastructure. I think I mentioned bridges. Yeah, but uh, so that's how the uh, all the public goods are financed through taxes. So you pay taxes to federal government to your state and to your locality, city of Philadelphia, or if you're outside, uh, all townships in Pennsylvania pretty much have some form of local tax. They tax a small amount. Because Philadelphia, to my perspective, is taxing, like if there would be, if that would be possible to tax the tax, that would happen in Philly. Philadelphia is very taxing locality. (laughs) <laughs> it's taxing to be here okay that is very nice so uh just to reply to this question again when why and to whom so uh when uh deadline for individuals are typically april 15th if it falls on the weekend then it moves to the monday after the weekend deadline for corporations is march 15th uh 
again if it falls on a weekend then the day after monday after now if uh, if somebody doesn't have time to get it uh, all together there is always uh, automatic six month extension which uh, um, taxpayer can apply mm -hmm. before april 15th or before march 15th if it's for corporation you're given six month extension and then if you still don't have all your paperwork together then you can get another two month extension with that said if if you estimate that you will owe something the payment estimated payment have to be made on time with the application for the extension so um you pay basically uh federal taxes you most people submit electronically and goes to the irs uh state taxes most of the states that that uh, do collect taxes uh, get as soon as they get notification that irs had accepted uh, their version state goes next and accepts the state return and with the localities uh, um with philadelphia i do not believe you have to pay separately with uh, locations outside of uh, philadelphia to townships you would make payment through tax collector like keystone or uh, berkheimer and uh, that's some people just make online payment on the w2 form uh on the bottom left there is uh, local earning and the municipality where so it's already been shown and pretty like it's already it's semi, semi prepared over there yeah. w2 yeah but when people actually coming to you and saying that i just file my taxes myself and i find it to be a bit off what can you do about it i will help we'll look at what was filed and we do the amendment if it's needed because uh after taxes are filed uh then is it still three years yeah it's a three years three, three years, years to make uh amendment. three years a window when to fix your taxes yes uh for example uh some taxpayers incorrectly show their filing status uh they think they're head of households just because they're separated but they're really still married and uh so there is like a fine line what do you choose if you're still married do you choose married separately and then claim children or do you choose head of household or uh some taxpayers choose single and then claim children so sometimes amendments are to actually correct the filing status a lot of times amendments are for um in response to the letter from the irs so what happens typically irs would receive a return mm -hmm. they will accept it they will issue a refund or uh cash your check mm -hmm. before they even scan your return into the system and then three years later you're Four receiving later. the the like the very interesting typically no not like that <laughs> they will never do that they will never do that they do not call you they do not scare you irs will send you like very polite uh to the point 
letter where they will. You messed up. Here's a way to fix it. Yes, yes.、Um, they will basically very professionally say, "Well, we show that your income was, let's say, eighty-five thousand dollars because we see that." Some Somebody company,、claimed. some company reported W two income of sixty five, and、uh, we see that two more companies reported eight thousand dollars each. But you forgot ten ninety nine for eight thousand dollars. Therefore, your income was higher. Therefore, we believe that you owe us this much. And when you receive that letter, if、uh, taxpayer.、Uh, Chooses to appeal, then、um, there is a process. I believe they also give you an option to amend the tax return. It depends on the letter of.、Uh, it depends on the language t- of t- the letter. Typically, if it's something like、uh, forgotten ten ninety nine, and there is additional. Oh, forgotten! Tax. But if you actually、uh, made more and they want to return your money, how often does this happen? If you made more and they want to return your money, why would that be? You made more, and they no. Think, I mean, like、uh, you made less or some. Like,、uh, like how often the IRS offers to return、um, the money instead of asking for it? They actually would simply、uh, make a direct deposit without even telling you, and then you would say, "Oh, I got money from the IRS." Like, why? Is there another stimulus check? <laughs> yes. So, 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 so、uh, they will simply deposit it. However,、uh, everybody now has ability to go to the IRS.gov website、mm-hmm. and、uh, set up online access. Online access will give you your transcripts. Online access will give you status of the refunds. Online access will give you status of what else? It will give you just basically everything you it, can ask for without calling the IRS. Correct, because、uh, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to get through、um, tax professionals. Like we do have the dedicated line, which is. Also, we have to wait a little bit, but at least we know that the phone is is going to be picked up.、Uh, for for individual main eight hundred number, I would think、uh, it's it's let's forget it because、uh, it's not possible to get through. So、uh, set up online access on irs.gov.、Uh, it will prompt to create the username. It will prompt to.、Um, Register password. It will ask few questions, almost as if、uh, you're trying to access your credit report. So it will ask you, okay,、uh, which four streets you lived before, and then you pick the street. So only you know the answer, and that's very helpful to look up what exactly IRS has on file for you. Same goes with the state.、Uh, state of Pennsylvania has online access. State of New York has online access. Recently,、uh, they have improved and、um, kind of compensated for the lack of people who pick up the phone. Okay, so now we can actually say that IRS is kind of working fine. As long as you do have questions, you can go to the IRS.gov to resolve all those questions. And if you were overcharged for any particular reason, expect a very nice check.
No. <laughs> that was easy. Basically, um, the month of December, this is when they do sweep. Sweep of comparing incomes. So uh, let's say that uh, most people would still make... Uh, April 15 deadline. Mm -hmm. Some people will do extension and some people will do another two month extension. So by December, IRS is doing the sweep to compare the incomes, what they received from 1099 um, companies who issued 1099 to mm -hmm. people. Uh, so they will compare social security numbers. Okay. And this is when letters start go out. So before the, like, I mean, uh, between April 15th and the December, you have to have everything prepped and ready in case you have any issues or you got an extra 1099. It got to be like added and filed or you can actually postpone it for the next year. Um, it is always better to, to, um, to talk to somebody who hires you and to discuss at which capacity you're being hired and what to expect by January 31st. January 31st is the deadline for employers or companies to make W-2 or 1099 forms available so that people can get it on February 1st. So it's always uh, a good idea to talk through before you accept and well if if it's a regular job obviously get a letter of employee if it's a gig job uh i would suggest to talk to to the person who hires you to understand what you will expect to get on january 31st um the rule is if uh, you earn more than $600, you have to receive 1099, for example. So uh, typically, there is no reason to miss a 1099 un unless, it, unless you really work for 25 different places and you really skip one uh, and you think that you work for 24 places. But that's... There should be no reason uh, to to miss a 1099 form. So another sweep that IRS does is two years after uh, returns are filed. This is when the letters are coming in with request to show the receipts. So two years later, the IRS, uh, if you're chosen for an audit, uh, you will be audited about two years later. Okay, so let's move on. Let's uh, right now, fifteenth uh, of mm -hmm. April. That's going to be your kind of deadline to do the personal taxes, right? Yes. Uh, for the returns, when is the deadline? It's the same. It's uh, the same April day. 15th. So it doesn't go like left to right. It's sim simply like if you go on ten ninety nine or W two before the April fifteenth, you got to file your taxes to obtain both. Return, no return, whatever. No, no. Uh, you get your forms from all the wherever you worked. Yeah. Uh, all the employers, they send the forms out by the end of January. So the latest early February, provided there is a mail delay and so on, so you get uh, you get the form. This is when you can start doing your uh, 
tax return. And uh, yeah, the sooner you do it, the better. Uh, you don't have to pay until April 15th, though. But April 15th is the deadline. Okay, so now we got a question from abroad then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work in the United States and additionally receive income in Russia from the leasing and apartments or any other source of income. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Is income for the foreign source taxable? Yes. So that means taxable in uh, the country it's made. And you said for foreign well. tourists? No, not tourists. I work in U.S. and additionally receive an income Sorry. from abroad. U.S taxes worldwide income of its citizens and residents. So if you have a U.S. passport, you got to pay anywhere if, you if, make if, a dime. If you have a grocery store in Zimbabwe, you have to pay the tax. Um, if, uh, if you have a green card, you're a resident. You still you, have to pay taxes. You have to pay taxes. If you don't have a green card, then we can probably count days, how many days you're present here, and uh, depending on that. And what's the maxi- uh, like maximum amount of days for you to be present here in order to qualify for oh, taxes from abroad? I, 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 I have to look that up. It's... Uh... It's really not not a very simple situation. Yeah, because like, for example, some people on H2B visas that coming here for work still do have some businesses abroad. Yeah, if you live here a full year, uh, you have to pay taxes. Okay. Understood. If, if you are first year here, you can be part year resident, for instance. So, you, so it's, it's a dual status. If That's you are resident of the United States, you make money abroad, you make money here. Regardless of where you make your money or how much money you make, you still got to pay taxes. Even if you're bringing them into the country and investing them back into the country. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. As long as there is money, you'll pay taxes. You'll pay taxes. How nice is it? It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Oh, it's a nemesis. Uh, my credit score is 700. Last year, it was 720. My co-worker told me to look up the credit karma regularly. He showed me his score 750. What, what does it mean? Like uh, how credit karma is actually reflects the reality of your credit score? It reflects the reality, but that's like vanity sizes and the uh, clothing store. So they'd say, okay, you are S, but actually you are M. But with credit karma, it works in the reverse. So uh, credit karma gives you a little bit higher estimate of your actual credit score if you want to know your exact score you, you better get the credit report experience directly from the agency it's experience trans union trans, trans union and uh, equifax. equifax yeah and you are entitled to Sorry. one free report every year uh there is a government website where you can request it uh, every year it's recommended you also can create the uh free account on Experian right now and actually keep up with your credit score that will go like off the credit karma but if you want to have like in deep no Mm, okay somebody's shaking head right now go ahead i would say that uh we have to understand that um applications like credit karma credit wise 
anything that your credit card will offer you as the perk for having a credit card it it will uh, provide you basic information but it will give you fake scores so it's not meant to to be indicative of your actual score your actual score resides only in three places Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. But how does the reflection FICO like? What's the FICO standing for? FICO score is is the combination of three scores uh, from the three places that I just mentioned. So those are the official uh, um, credit uh, score places, uh, credit agencies uh, with whom lenders work whether it's a bank or or if car dealership now the bank uh, may see and work uh, with information from all three places and car dealership let's say have an agreement with transunion only but typically uh, uh, the information in all three places is similar in the content uh, the scoring might be a bit different because they use a bit different formula so the scores range from um, 350 to 800 yep 800 850 i think like the highest i've ever heard of that's probably credit karma score that's not a real score so um uh anything less than Again, depending on a place, TransUnion tend to be the lowest of the three. Um, I forgot which one of the uh, E ones, Experian or Equifax, tend to be slightly higher, but we're talking about difference of 10 points, and that's pure formula difference. Formula depends on credit utilization. Formula depends on... Uh, um, negative information such as any kind of write-offs collections co collections um late payments which are recent over 60 days so uh late payment just 30 days is probably not gonna count much late payment which is 15 days probably not gonna make on credit report at all because it's only 30 days or more um so it will stay on your credit record for report i'm sorry it will stay there for seven years from the date when it's reported which is which is important to understand if uh, if you're trying to uh, clean your credit uh, report from collections because uh, this gets a little bit tricky when it actually gets reported to all the three places and it may get reported in a different time so if it it gets to equifax let's say in march of 2015 but it got on transunion in august of 2015 it's gonna be two different then, collections then uh your equifax seven years later is going to delete it but transunion is going to have it so you will have a discrepancy in credit scores between three three so credit karma and all those credit card perks and apps on the 
iPhone, those are not real score things. Also, they do not provide any kind of tool to dispute. Yep. So let me get to another question. That one actually from the crowd from one of the uh, members of the Northeast Philly Connected group. And his name is James. And the question was, how about a question asking, how do the stimulus checks, pandemic unemployment, and the other, other government aid complicate my tax return? How do I file if I receive one or both of them or all of them or all of those benefits? So, uh, Child stimulus, PPP, etc. And this tax here. So let's go piece by piece. Stimulus is not taxable. So last year uh, we had two rounds of stimuluses. Uh, first one was 1200 per person plus... Uh, 600 per child if child is under 17. Uh, second round was uh, mid-December to mid-January. That was 600 per person. And the next round is coming most likely in April because it's kind of like a done deal. It's going to be 1400 per person. This is all tax-free. Now, unemployment insurance, that's taxable for federal, not taxable to the state. Unemployment insurance is the state insurance program. So therefore, state does not tax it, but uh, federal government does. And uh, a, a taxpayer would pay basically at the rate of uh, where your tax bracket is. Tax bracket could be 0%. Could be ten percent, could be twelve, could be fifteen percent. It depends on overall income and your family size. So unemployment compensation is taxable for federal purposes. What was another item? You mentioned stimulus, unemployment. What was uh, there item? was stimulus, PPP, child stimulus, uh, unemployment, child and stimulus, uh, any type of government aid, like food stamps, for example. Let's say, does it goes? No, that's not taxable. Uh, in terms of PPP, the rules have changed on PPP. Um, if PPP was forgiven, and Dmitry will tell you for sure because uh, they did change the rules. Um, what's, the, what's the latest on the PPP forgiven amount? Is it taxable? The latest is that... Uh, forgiven loan amount won't be included in taxable income. Won't, will not, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. So the latest and greatest that the PPP forgiven amount will not be included in taxable income for the company. Very good news. So you're not being taxed on no that? No taxes. No taxes. No taxes on PPP? No. <sighs> You're disappointed. Mm, I, well, I, 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 I'll be okay. I'll be fine. It would be a bit. You'll survive. Yeah, Don't so worry about definitely. it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, the purpose of this was to stimulate the economy. It would be a bit counterproductive if if it was taxable. I mean, don't you think so? <laughs> That's my financial situation after you just told that. <laughs> Somebody's dancing with my coffin. Uh, can I choose? To be 1099 contractor when I am hired by an employer. No, you don't have a choice. You can discuss it, of course. However, there are strict rules from Department of Labor. Uh, 
what is an employee and what is a contractor. So um, can you define? Yes, employee is somebody who a has a set schedule. B uh, is being supervised. C uh, does not provide uh, own equipment uh, to work. So basically, so if you are using, so if you're using the company equipment, company vehicle, working in a company clothes uh, on a company property within the company regulations, rules, and insurance, you shall be W two. The main word here under companies rules. And regulations and uh, basically if you're subject to human resources rules you're definitely an employee so contractors are a little bit different animal kind of animal it's uh, they typically uh, have their own equipment they typically do not have the set work schedule because it's meant uh, Contractors meant to are be meant to complete, complete the project. Meant to be self-employed. And be independent in in hours or in uh, timing of uh, when it's completed as long as due date is met. So this is what's, what a contractor should be. So definition of the contractor is you're self-employed, you are not working under the any rules or guidance of the employer, but the actual code that you are performing that it's city, uh, st- city or state codes, that's the only regulation that shall regulate you. Um, another difference is that who is paying for your coverage? Uh, Whether you're paying for so your liability if, coverage. If you are or, under or, the liability coverage of the company, does it mean that now you're W-2 or technically supposed to be? Or if you carry your own insurance? Or if you don't carry any insurance, you just uh, written down the uh, exemption as a contractor. Well, mm. difficult questions, huh? Let's paraphrase it. Let's let's uh, let's pretend that you're a company. Okay. And you have a choice to have me as an employee or a contractor what would you choose uh financially i would assume that 1099 would be cheaper for me but i'm not sure about the safety of the question i'm not again i'm not an accountant bookkeeper or well like my relations to numbers is usually just to enter the pin code on my phone that's all i know about okay so you would choose most likely to have it easy to uh, pay me once a month, let's say, and to issue 1099 form and be done with me. That's, that's what you would like as an employer. And this is what is a tendency, especially in the past for employers. The tendency was to misclassify people as a contractors when they're in reality were employees. Because... Um, this is how employers save on their half of the FICA and Medicare taxes. Mm-hmm. This is how employers would basically say, hey, show me the proof of your liability insurance and we're going to put it in a file. So if something happens to you, you have your own coverage. Uh, this is how employers saved on not having workers' compensation. Uh, however then it was a bit uh, 
too many misclassifications and Department of Labor stepped in with the new, um, it wasn't regulation, it was like basically clarification one more time for, for employers, like, hey, just make sure be, uh, if if your contractor is actually reporting to one of your supervisors and your contractor has to show up at nine and can leave at five, that's most likely not a contractor. And a couple of companies were taken to the court and a couple of companies paid fines. So uh, where can you look up those regulations? So now that Department is... of Labor website. Can you provide uh, me with such link so we can actually add it to the description? IRS as well. IRS as well. Uh, so, so IRS has very, um, very dry language of uh, writing their own uh, tax code. Mm -hmm. If you want to read it in a more plain language, that would be the Department of Labor website, dol.gov. Uh, there are... There are several questions where you put yourself in the shoes of the employer and ask, like, uh, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And if one of the answers is yes, then it's most likely an employee. Um, so to go back to the question, can you choose as somebody who is coming to work for you if you're an employer? No, but you as an employer it's it's your obligation to classify me correctly hold on so i cannot choose a contractor or i cannot choose an employee as an employer it's your obligation your employer's obligation to classify me correctly that's the right way of doing things so no obviously it is in the responsibility of an employer to properly tax and deliver the payments to a guy or a girl who actually performing the job that's obvious but at the same time uh I still could not get the strict guidelines or regulations that will seek up to the 1099 versus W2 that will be on a broader scale like a or B, it's like plus or minus. You have to be within this notch in order to be either qualified W-2 or 1099. So, again, question number one. Do you require a person to show up at nine and to leave at five? What about the gate? For example, it is a secured area and it's only accessible from nine to five. Then you ask another question. Do you provide the equipment or they come with, the, with their own equipment? Can you list the equipment? Computers. Uh, Computers, tools, tools name tools. it. You just, uh, all right, so you want to work as a subcontractor. Who leases the equipment? I know a few. No, no, I mean uh, in this hypothetical uh, example. Tech? The person who does the work leases the equipment? The person uh, who does the work leases the equipment. From... Then this is the equipment belongs to that person whether by means of leasing or, or ownership. Okay, so, so it means the uh, employee or contractor in this sense provides the tools. So it is still disputable? No, not really. Not at all. So do you have to dispute if you're using their materials? Then? Like uh, 
contractor's materials or you're using the client's materials. It still qualifies as the purchase order. No, I don't think materials are in this picture at all. Okay, so... Uh, the, um, I think you're talking more about the construction industry It's not right just now. the construction industry. Pretty much any industry involves any type of tools, equipment, software. Or well, okay, let, 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 let me say this. Uh, the original question was whether a person being hired can choose to be a 1099 contractor. And I guess the answer is if you structure your relationship with the company for which you're going to do the work in such a way that you can be classified as a 1099 contractor, yes, you can be. Okay, so that's a preference or a choice of an employee rather than a contract. I think it's a matter of negotiating. So a company needs something done and they need uh, labor or services for this okay. something okay then to then to conclude it uh there is no strict regulation it's only an obligation to choose either between it's going to be w2 or 1099 and the employer and the employee have to come to distinct answer how they would like to work together no there is regulation and it's quite strict Let's repeat. So there's different issues. Issue number one, how you want to work together. What's the nature of your relationship? Is it one-off? I came to your office to paint the wall and, um, okay, I brought my own uh, paintbrush and you gave me the paint and we agreed, okay, so by weekend this room shall be painted. I'm then a contractor. If you want me to work in your office nine to five every day, do standard set of things and you pay me weekly, most likely I'm your employee. There is uh, one more caveat is, um, is that um, if you're structured as a corporation, you can be hired as a company and be paid as what's called B2B business to business. So a, in this case, employer who is, let's say a corporation will uh, have you as a vendor and you also is a corporation. But it has to be very carefully structured and carefully thought of because B2B which is like the easiest way to to do it. It's even easier than than 1099. Uh, you can never substitute employee and and pay an employee as a corporation because that's going to be the the grave grave uh, mistake for employer, and actually uh, they will send. Uh, not FBI, but they will send investigator pretty quickly. If if uh, it's not just misclassification between employee versus tenant and contractor, but if it's misclassification between employee and B2B relationship, you're looking at investigator who will come pretty quickly. Very nice. So, okay. That, I think, was delivered and explained quite broadly and properly. Uh, it seems like we have about nine minutes left. So 
before we're going to get into the summary, the very touchy question for a lot. I did not receive my stimulus payment for my dependent children or parents. Why? Because IRS has been uh, um, put in a tough spot uh, last year, uh, just like we all. Um, there is a shortage of hands in IRS, understandably. Uh, typically, they hire seasonal staff, and seasonal staff was not hired as much as they typically do for several years. So there was actually the deterioration of IRS services and IRS responsiveness and even how you can, you used to be able to get to the person in half an hour, five, ten years ago, and how you cannot get to the person now ever. So, um, so chances are, if somebody missed the stimulus payment, is that there was a glitch in the system or somebody just didn't process or uh, there was a mismatch between something and uh, there is just lack of human power to fix the system errors. The good news is that uh, when filing now for 2020, anything that was owed to you in terms of stimulus that was not paid it will actually be paid with uh, your 2020 return as either increase of your refund, but what you were underpaid last year, or they will reduce amount that you owe. So for example, somebody got paid first round of 1200, but never got paid 600. So that 600 will be added to the refund with the filing of 2020 return or deducted from balance due from 2020. Okay. And uh, pretty much when you're going to file your taxes, most likely if you have not received your There is a specific question. Did you receive it? Did you not? Did you receive first one? Did you receive second one? And this is how we're able to tell the IRS, hey, add 1200 or add 1800 or add $600 to whatever is being calculated. Well, I shall mention that uh, dependent parents were not eligible for the stimulus first time around. Dependent parents were not, no. And dependent children over 17 years of age, no, they were not eligible. Uh, however, with the stimulus that's coming now, which will come most likely in April. That's actually going to cover pretty much everybody. And it's going to cover um, everybody aside from being an illegal alien. So, so um, not the space alien, just a US residency alien. Uh, you got to have a social security number. Okay. As long as there is a social security number, Okay, so, uh, then, so, you, then, you, so then you go under the tax or you go under the stimulus? Stimulus. Stimulus. So if, as long as there is a social security in existence, uh, money will be delivered. Yep. With the next round, which is coming, like, hopefully, in April. Okay, I guess it is about a time to finalize. Is there something you would like to say, deliver, or you have something... Some messages for anyone? 
file your taxes and sleep well. <laughs> well, don't be afraid of numbers because numbers are more afraid of you than, than you should be afraid of them. Uh, do file taxes. Do not skip on any years. If you're in doubt, just ask. And uh, if you're in doubt, just file. Um, and again, um, going back to to um, questions in the beginning, try to have a clear picture in your head of your own personal financial standing. What are your assets, personal assets? What are your liabilities? And this will help you to make to make a sound decision on whether to invest in pension plan or whether to buy a house. But just uh, try to think of yourself as a company, uh, see what you own, what you owe, and that will help a lot in making decisions. Perfect. Lovely. So I guess we're going to conclude and summarize. Today we had an intro on the financial advisory or financial education. That was your taxes. We had Alex and Dmitry here. Their information will be listed on this video or underneath this video. Get in contact with them if you will find any interest. And guys, thank you for coming out. I wish you the greatest. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for our having pleasure. us. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>